I grew up on a farm. It was more of a ranch than a farm with a bunch of apple trees. And every morning I'd wake up and there was this little white pad of paper with scribbled chores that we could barely read. We were never bored. Bored is lack of an imagination. And especially growing up on this ranch, we had no connectivity. We had no internet. It was just us and our imagination and dirt and rocks and seedlings. That's Celestine Schnug, founder of Boom Capital. Boom Capital is a venture capital fund committed to investing in highly technical, under-networked entrepreneurs. Her goal is to create the most productive environment possible to support scientists and technologists to do great things and solve big problems. One of the things I've learned about Celestine is that she has an unbounded imagination. Sometimes her ideas even seem a little out there. And since she was a little girl, she's always been curious with a deep sense of responsibility to others. Because of COVID-19 and shelter-in-place restrictions, Celestine and I caught up over video chat where she was at home with her children, including her brand new baby. So when you were little, you loved, ever since you were a little girl, breaking rules. You even cut your hair so you could try out for the boys' baseball team. So, I mean, that's part of your nature. Tell us more about this resistance you have to rules. I think I always found it just interesting to test the boundaries. It was more fun that way. So somebody said, this is the parameter and this is the line. I would always want to know what was beyond that line. And I think... What drives me most about that is, I don't know, I think life is this collection of experiences, whether they're good or bad, wouldn't it be interesting to just experience these new or I don't want to say forbidden. I think it's more intellectually interesting and exciting to have a sense for that your own self versus being told it. And so if somebody told me not to do something, I'd always have to go validate it to know what that was like, to understand then how far I could push that boundary, I guess. So I think what I'm getting at is I have to go figure it out myself and I have to try it myself, experience it myself versus being told this is what the perimeter is. Some people might call that a defiant streak. Yeah, I would have a defiant streak in me, that's for sure. Basically, I was the youngest kid to get a detention and I think it happened in the third grade. I insisted on getting a detention because I wanted to know what it was like. (laughs) And I went to this Catholic school and I had to like wear a belt and I literally turned myself in three days in a row showing them that I didn't have the belt on and they had to give me a detention. And they say, we don't give third graders detentions. I was like, but you have to, I broke the rules. Competitive, you push things to the edge. You love to find creative ways around rules. And in fact, you love to even see what it's like to get in trouble, kind of, without hurting anyone, like a detention for not wearing a belt. So from an early age, rules weren't going to get in the way of discovery or the adventure of figuring things out. I think once you understand the bounds, you know how far you can push them. This is a little bit darker, but just I wouldn't be afraid of like having something terrible happen to me because I know it just pushes your bounds and you experience this whole other level of compassion and empathy, which enables you to connect with people more. I would say I'm pretty fearless when it comes to understanding what that experience is, what are the bounds of that, so that you can know like how much further you can push it without like risking life and limb 
or sanity. Okay. And you also have a very, very deep curiosity about how things work. In fact, that's one of the things I'd like about you best, whether it's systems, processes, communities, whatever it is, this curiosity has brought you to some very interesting places and work. What is it that fascinates you most and so much about this and how things work and that curiosity? I think it's like more in the playful and whimsical direction more in the imaginative direction. And it kind of speaks back to the original thread of if you know what reality is and you know how far you can push it, then you can have fun with it. I think curiosity is in and of itself like playfulness. And it's kind of this unbridled, unbounded flotation sense of being where you can detach from those bounds and have fun with those bounds. For Celestine, there's a playfulness that comes with pushing the boundaries. She's not afraid to see what happens and what she might learn. And it seems she's always been like this. And I wanted to learn more about how she grew up. I grew up on a farm. It was more of a ranch than a farm with a bunch of apple trees. And like every morning I'd wake up and there was this little white pad of paper with scribbled chores that we could barely read. And it would be everything from like hiking up half the mountain with a bucket of water to water these seedlings that my dad loves. He's really into trees to like sorting rocks, taking care of animals to weeding. We did a ton of weeding. I would say we were always doing things. We were never bored. Bored is lack of an imagination. And especially growing up on this ranch, we had no connectivity. We had no internet. It was just us and our imagination and dirt and rocks and seedlings. And We were always doing stuff and my dad, not only to have us be working hard, he is very involved in the community. And as we would observe things as kids, he was just always like, don't wait for something to happen. Go make that happen yourself. A funny kind of colorful example that's coming to mind right now is as every kid does, they see how they're just totally taken by the sadness of homelessness. And so when I had my moment seeing somebody who was homeless I was talking to my dad about it, and of course, I don't remember the exact conversation, but I do remember he had me go to whatever town council meeting was happening, and they like held me up on the stand. I actually remember this one quote I said there. It's so funny. I think I said something about how we had shelters for animals, yet we don't have great shelters for people, and who knows what I did after that, but just this sense of like not waiting around and not expecting anybody to fix anything not waiting for the perfect solution, but just go make something happen, go do it, go be an active citizen and just have this like agency that you've been given and put that to good use and be productive. I feel like I am like just such a persistent and driven person. I would say I was never the most academically talented kid in school. I didn't care about grades and I was always trying to just learn as much as I can and taking the hardest classes doing as much as possible to just kind of get this experiential map of life in the world. And that's still how Celestine looks at the world. She's always figuring things out. Even everyday, ordinary things intrigue her, like farmer's markets. I think it's all these fascinating little systems that you can see. And, you know, it's probably quite quirky or OCD. I refused to move on to the next farmer's market until I cased out the farmer's market that I was going to. And I knew like every farmer, what they sold, when they sold it, when it was the best, really had an understanding of that system before I wanted to like migrate with my friends to 
all start meeting at the new farmer's market. I think it's more like once you kind of experience the systems and understand them and know what is the excellence at that moment and at that time of being, like you can have fun with that in a more playful way. Celestine's fascination with the way systems work influences how Boom Capital invests, as well as who they invest in. Her goal is to build a collective of the top 200 scientists and technologists of the 21st century. And she's already started to build this community, which she calls Boom World. It's this like civilization of various collectives. So I think of a collective as its own little city And in the city live these fascinating people that are extremely curious and experts in what they do. And each city is specialized for its own thing. So like one city could be a city of virologists and immunologists, and uh, they're very productive and they have interesting conversations and find interesting projects so that that city can be known for that. But it becomes like the civilization that advances this notion of boom world when all of these collectives and city meet and kind of exchange and gather their ideas and their tools and their trades. So we have, I think about 12 collectives at this point. They're organized based on domains and they meet regularly. And what we're starting to do is we're starting to kind of, I don't want to say crossbreed, but we're starting to cross pollinate the different collectives within each other starting this year, hoping that really interesting ideas will form. I mean, just from my boom hat and like investment side of things, it seems like the most interesting ideas happen at the intersection of multiple technologies. So if you consider crossbreeding the advanced visualization collective with the neurotech collective and the robotics collective, like what could possibly emerge? I like to invest in imagination markets that you can't even think of right now because they haven't been created, but the founder leads you to those markets because they have that vision. It's people who are on a mission and nothing is going to stop them. And it's kind of this sense where they've been training their entire life for this moment and with or without whoever is in front of them, they're going to do it. And they're just so mission driven. That's ultimately what I look for is the people where it's like, you're clearly along for their ride and you know that they're going to get there. You don't know exactly how they're going to make it, but they'll get there. Now, this particular time right now dealing with the pandemic must be fascinating for you with this in mind. One of the things you're working on right now is trying to imagine what is the world going to be? What is the normal going to be in the next couple of months? It's not going to be years that we are going to live in. Last night, we had a science fiction collective where we had a sci-fi author come and facilitate a session with the group. And by group, I mean various members of the collective to come together and kind of envision just that. And it was fascinating. It was it was this kind of curiosity-induced environment where people could be kind of playful and suspended and unbounded and how they kind of come up with some of these ideas. It seems like mass culture is going to be here to stay, at least for the foreseeable couple of years. You can't really see somebody's expressions and emotions. So what are some of the like small cultural rituals that are going to be established in this interim that will substitute the exchange of hands or the facial gestures that we used to make? And is that an avenue for new technologies to come in and assist with some of these communication paths that have previously existed? What do you consider your purpose right now? I think it's actually to be a steward of 
people like my sister who is named Colette and she has Down syndrome. And I think my kind of purpose and mission in life is ultimately, and I'm not sure how I'm going to get there, but is ultimately to try to bring about a more neurodiverse society where um, people like her, but then also anyone, even if you don't have a form of special needs, can like experience their excellence and express their excellence. One of the words that I love the most and one of the kind of notions I love the most is erite, which is, I think it's Greek, and it means the sense of excellence and the erite of a cheetah is to run. What is kind of the mission or purpose or like highest and most interesting expression of something or some person? And so I think that is a huge driver of me, whether it's finding the excellence of this little small system that's really colorful and tasty like a farmer's market or like really trying to understand like what is the highest purpose and excellence of a person so not in terms of what is their most excellent use and output but I think what is the most interesting expression of what they were put on this earth to do and what their mission is is deeply fulfilling and fascinating and a lot of fun and I think it's how I approach community building And now that I'm a mom, it's how can I steward these little beings to be their like highest expression of themselves? So people out there thinking about this or thinking they might have something that they want to do, what advice would you give them? One of the kind of quirks that I have is every year I'll write an obituary of myself and obituary of myself now an obituary of the life that I want to have in the next like 5, 10, 15 years. And I keep it in this Google presentation and kind of review it every five years just to see how things change and how things evolve. Life is just this fascinating collection of experiences. What are those experiences that you want to have? And along the way, what type of a person do you want to be? So one thing I continually ask myself with all of these micro decisions that I make as a fund manager is like, who do I want to be in this moment? And like, what type of principles do I want to live by? And all those little micro decisions that you make is your life and kind of who you are. That's one kind of collection of thoughts. Who do you want to be? And like, how do you want to experience life? And then the other one is just more like around embracing your quirks. And I'm still learning to do that. I find as, you know, more years kind of pass by, I continue to see people kind of go down this path that nobody else saw or imagined. And for me, when I was like imagining these collectives and boom world and even my fund, I would just make these repetitive drawings of circles and how the circles interacted. And three years ago, there were six circles. Now there's 12 and the circles are doing all kinds of interesting things. Like there's all these lines and dots and like crazy configurations because those circles have grown. That was Celestine Schnug, founder of Boom Capital. They've been investing in pre-seed stage ventures in the deep technology sector since 2016. They create a safe environment and valuable services for under-networked founders to advance their technologies. Join us next time on Think Like a Founder when we talk to Hisham Alawi, co-founder of Experience Morocco. We're going to talk about the importance of co-founder relationships, wanting to be the Moroccan ambassador to the United States of America as a kid, and growing up with Clifford, the big red dog. 
Think Like a Founder is produced by SNP Communications in San Francisco, California. Learn more by visiting us at snpnet.com or connect with me, Maureen Taylor, on LinkedIn to continue the conversation there. Series producer is Roisin Hunt. Sound design by Mark Ream. Creative producer, Eli Shell. Content and scripting by Mike Sullivan. Production coordination, Natasha Thomas. Thanks also to Selena, Persiani Shell, John Hughes, and Ren Vara. This is Think Like a Founder.